It's a fairly common problem for people to theorize the Christian life, their Christian walk. They take the statements and the situations of the scriptures and think of them in a lofty manner. They think of them applying only in the highly theoretical problems. They so spiritualize them uh, that they seem to have very little value in basic life as we know it. We're so used to thinking about the Bible characters in such major events like Noah and the Flood and David and Goliath that it's often hard to think of those characters in everyday occurrences that we call life. The thought of Noah hitting his finger, his thumb with a hammer. David trying to find something that he misplaced and he's looking everywhere and he can't find it. And Abraham trying to determine if he's being overcharged for a bag of flour. It's hard to think of them in those situations. Now you find yourself in those situations all of the time. But it's hard to think of the Bible characters in those kinds of situations. It never really occurs to us that those things happen to the Bible characters. They just seem far too ordinary and mundane. But if our relationship with the Lord is only relevant in the great and mighty events of life, then quite frankly, our relationship with the Lord isn't worth very much. Because, let's be honest, most of us are only going to experience one or two of those major events, like what we're thinking about, or in our lifetime, if ever. And so if it's only good for that, what good is it? The bulk of our existence falls into the everyday events that we call life. You know what, that's okay, because the reality is the Christian life is not only lived in theory. And it's not only meant for these major life-changing events that ever, only happen ever so often. It's for life. It's for common life. It's for everyday life. Now tonight, I'm going to open up my life a little bit from this week. Most people fear to do this. But when you grew up in a pastor's home... And when you've pastored for 30 years, you know what? <laughs> Your life is already an open book. There's very little secrets. And I think seeing God in the common thread of life instead of earth-shattering events can be a help to you. And you've got to understand, there is nothing special about my life or my circumstances. I have no problems that are either greater or lesser than yours. I do not relate these situations because they're special, but because they're similar. Nobody's life is exactly the same, but we all have situations and difficulties and questions that make up our everyday lives. The fact of the matter is almost anybody here could stand up and give the details of their week, and it would suffice just as well as what I'm going to tell you. For obvious reasons, I can't tell you everything that happened in my life and all the ins and outs of each situation. And I'm, there's no real need to do that, but I'm going to, try to, I'm going to ask you to try not to read anything into it, try to figure out all the cause and effects and all that. I can guarantee you, you won't be right. You won't, you won't be able to put pieces together and try to, if you come up with a, an answer, well, that's what's going on, you, you won't be right. I'm just telling you that. 
let's read Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 5. I want you to see if we can see what God is doing here. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I think this is interesting after the song we started out with this evening, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The title of this evening's message is, God in Everyday Life. God in Everyday Life. Father, we want only you seen tonight. We want your glory, your power, your wisdom, and your love to so flow in our thought processes, that it affects how we live this week. We ask that your blessed spirit would do what's necessary to bring light into our lives. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've had an interesting week. Not really an unusual week, but just the same type of stuff that makes up your weeks. Events, situations, decisions, opportunity, and obligations. Monday, Heidi had her baby, which meant a trip to Tennessee. I'm ringing here just a little bit, John, because we don't have the choir chairs back there. But through a series of events, the plans that we'd made ahead of time wouldn't work. And this left us with a scheduling difficulty and a very unsure path. The answer ended up being Carol flying to Tennessee and me staying home, which caused another set of circumstances. What seemed to be this week an hour-by-hour hour event, pieces were being added and subtracted to the puzzle of my life. So for six days, seven days, we were working on a puzzle whose picture wasn't very clear. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've got all these pieces, and you're trying to make, what is this thing going to look like when it's all said and done? And then the piece that you thought was the main piece, it goes out, it's gone, and then another piece is added, and you're like, what in the world is going on? You're trying to make up heads or tails of what's going on. And you don't, can't figure out how any of the pieces actually fit together. That was my week. Not a difficult week, but an unusual week of these things. Just like your week is typical. It's only been in the last 24 to 48 hours that the pieces have started to fall into place and the picture starting to make sense. Here again, there was nothing really important, nothing earth-shattering, just the common situations of life like you had this week. But I want to tell you in the next half hour, a little less, what I learned from this process this week. Number one. I learned what I will never leave thee nor forsake thee means. I learned what I will never leave thee nor forsake thee means. Now here again, when we often when we hear these verses, we think about traumatic times. Oh, this difficult time I'm going through with God is with me and he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And that is okay and it's true. But it's far more than that. Carol flew out on Wednesday morning. So I have been semi-batching it at home. 
the girls have had a very busy schedule. Kelly's flying in and out with some guy called Will and all that mess. Well, we're not live streaming this, are we? Will's not watching, is he? <laughs> Kelly's, they both have very busy, strange schedules with their work and so forth. And what I learned very quickly in my world was how many things that Carol does every day in my world, okay? Wednesday night, I always do this. I go home and I study Wednesday afternoon, and I study right up till about time for, to, about time, I just got to get cleaned up and go. And when I get up, done studying, I run in to take a shower, and all my clothes are laid out on the bed, ready for me to put on. So this week, I ran to, the, ran to take my shower, and guess what? There were no clothes laying on the bed. So I dug through a pile of stuff that I'd wore before, and one of the shirts wasn't too wrinkled, so I turned on the iron. I figured out how to do that, by the way. And I start ironing the shirt. I hope you didn't look very close on Wednesday night. Then I come up with another problem. I yell for Macy. I got to have a tie, and I don't know what tie matches this shirt. I didn't leave that with it. I'd already hung it up. So Macy comes in and has to help me find a tie. Normally, that's just all done. It just happens. On my way into church, there was two or three things that I had to do that Carol always takes care of. I was like, oh, there, she wasn't here to do that. So I had to do these kinds of things. My eating habits are not, I'm the laziest eater that you probably ever met. I take the path of least resistance. Whatever's easy is what I eat. In fact, I'm so lazy that I sometimes don't even put bread on my or meat on my sandwich. I just eat the bread. It's easier just to eat the bread and be done. I rarely, we have a squeeze bottle now, so sometimes I put mayonnaise on, but if I had to get a knife out, I would not put mayonnaise on my sandwiches. I'm a very lazy eater. You just don't even want to know what I've been eating this week. <laughs> the girls have been helpful, but you just don't even want to know because <laughs> I'm a lazy eater. Okay, I didn't eat like I normally eat. We'll just put it that way. This morning rolls around. After I got done studying, I run in to get ready. There's not clothes. I did laundry yesterday. <laughs> you just don't want to know. Just leave it there. You just don't want to know. I, I ran in to get dressed this morning. I thought, you know, it's hot outside. I don't think I want to wear my dad mentioned tonight. Those black suits are hot in the sun. And I knew that. And I thought, it's the only suit I know that any of my ties will match. <laughs> I know that narrow ties are in right now, but I found a wider tie. So you wouldn't under see that I didn't iron my shirt. <laughs> I was hoping that would not be obvious. Okay, now. <laughs> That's why I'm keeping my shirt on. I might even button it tonight. Look, Carol left me. She didn't forsake me. She didn't abandon me. She's just somewhere else. And I am left to fend for myself. Now, don't get me wrong, I told her to go. But I'm seeing all those things, the little things that she does that makes my life operate. And that's been a very good reminder for me. But this week I got to thinking, what would my life look like if God took a two-week vacation? 
Can you get your mind to wrap around that? If God just decided for two weeks you're going to fend for yourself, you know, if he would do that, we would sure appreciate him a lot more in two weeks. If we would actually... Re- but you know what God said? I'm not going to do that to you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I love you too much to leave you wallowing in your own abilities and inabilities. That was a huge help to me. Not this earth-shattering, he's never going to leave me when some major thing happens. He's not going to leave me in the everyday mundane things of life. He is there at every turn. And even though it would probably be good for me to recognize and to be without him for two weeks to see how good he's been, he says, I'm not going to do that. Even though you would appreciate me a lot more if I did, I love you too much to do that. One of the things I learned in everyday life is what I will never leave thee nor forsake thee means. Second thing that I learned... Our helplessness calls to God's heart. Our helplessness calls to God's heart. You know, it is in our nature to want to be the guy that steps into a problem. He knows the solution. He takes on the situation and he brings it to a satisfactory conclusion. While everybody else stands around patting him on the back and singing his praises. It's in our nature to want to be that guy. 
But that wasn't happening. The only shirt that I had underneath was my grandpa shirt, and it was dirty because I didn't know how to wash it. I was afraid I'd ruin it if I washed it. But you know what? Never fear. I found something way better than that. Something far more reliable than having superpower myself. I found that my helplessness calls to the heart of God. He looks down from heaven and his heart can't stand to leave someone as helpless as I am in a predicament. He looks down and his love has to help in someone so helpless as me. And I found that, no, I can't do this and pull open and reveal my superpower. But I can do this. And let God take me by the hand like a little child and walk me through life. And I have found, my friend, this is far better. He latches on and works me through these things that I, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm about as helpless as a baby, maybe even more so. And he takes you by the hand because your helplessness calls out to his heart and he just can't stand to leave you in that mess. He cannot stand to leave you helpless. So he moves you through and makes the decisions and, and makes the, so you, the decision you, all the decisions I had to make this week was like, it's right in front of you. That's what you got to do. There isn't any other option. And there was no way I would have gotten through the week where I'm ending up. There's no way I would have got there. I'd never chose that. If you give me all the plans and said, this is what you do, I, I couldn't have done that. But the Lord just walks me through this, taking me by the hand, leading me where I need to go. And you're like, you know, while you're doing it, you think, didn't I need that piece right there? And what is this supposed to mean? And why does that happen? And all the time you just say, I trust you, Lord. You know how foolish I am, and you know I can't get there if you don't take me. And I found that my helplessness calls to the heart of God. Your helplessness calls to his heart, and that is better than a superpower any day of the week. I learned this week that he never leaves nor forsakes and that my helplessness calls to his heart. And the third thing that I learned this week, the answer to the problem is often found in not demanding your own rights or fighting secondary causes. The answer is often found not in demanding your own rights or fighting secondary causes. There's so many pieces to this whole thing that I can't explain, and, I, and if I, had, I don't have time, even if I want to, I don't have time to do so. But when difficulties arise, often the solution is found in giving up your own rights and ignoring secondary causes. Let me try to see if I can get you to understand this. Renting a car has always been the plan for us. The price almost doubled from the last time we did it, making it 
with the other circumstances, very impractical for us to do. So buying a car seemed like the better answer. And we've been searching and having other people look for over a year now with no real prospects. So I don't know what day it was. It must have been Tuesday. We found what looked like the answer. Now you have to understand, we're getting down to the wire here. If our plans are going to go as they were supposed to go, this is our last option, right? Because if we don't buy this, then there is no car, and so all the, th all the things just start falling apart. So we, we emailed the guy or whatever we did, Facebooked him or whatever, and yep, we have the vehicle. It's still available. So the next morning, we called the guy. It was a dealership. He said, come on down. We set up an appointment for 1 o'clock to see this car. So we're praying about this and asking the Lord to help. And we head over there at 1 o'clock. We walk in the door. The guy sits us down at the desk. He says, what car are you looking at? Da -da 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 -da. He types in his computer. He says, just a minute. And he walks off. He comes back and he says, that car isn't here. That's over at another dealership getting brakes or something done to it. We don't even have that vehicle. Do you want me to show you another car? Now, the first thing he said was, I guess I should have checked on that before I set the appointment. Uh, I wanted to say, uh, yes, I think that should have been what you should have been. And now you think I want to look at another car with you? If you're so, you're so scatterbrained that you don't check the vehicle, I'm coming. I didn't say any of those things. Because think about the reality of this. If this was the car for us, God knew this was the last chance for us to go as scheduled. And God could have very easily, out of a thousand different ways, had that vehicle there. So why get mad at this guy? He is a secondary cause. Why be upset? Because God could have, right? And he chose not to. And if I fight this secondary cause, I'm just fighting a losing battle because there, I may be, I'm actually fighting against God because God could have done this. And so you say, okay, Lord, that was kind of weird. There went our last option. Our plans can't go as normal. You don't, the, often the solution is found in not fighting secondary causes and not demanding your own rights. When he said the car's not here, that meant we weren't going as planned. The only door that was open to us at that moment was a fairly cheap plane ticket for one person to go for two weeks. Now, that was the only choice we had at that moment. So, we made the decision for Carol to go. Now, I don't think I have to tell you what went through my heart when we made that decision. Do I have to explain that to you? Now, don't get me wrong, I told Carol to go, and I was glad that she went. But that doesn't mean that I was jumping for joy to stay home. 
Do you understand? But the solution was found in not demanding my own rights. Very often the solution is found in not demanding your own rights. Now, you think, oh, poor Pastor Scott. Not poor Pastor Scott. I'm leaving tonight at a better time for a longer time in a more opportune time than I would have had we gone. Carol's been doing her grandma thing for her two weeks. This is a needed thing. I would have never made this decision had he not brought me down this path one piece after the other. Do you understand that? But the solution was not found in sin. You dummy, why didn't you get that car here? Or I should be the grandpa and I ought to get to go myself. Do you understand? The solution often found in not demanding your own rights and not fighting secondary causes. I bought a car on Friday. Don't have time to tell you all that, how the Lord worked all that out. I went to transfer the title. I drove to Knoxville to transfer the title. When I got there, the lady said, oh, it looks good, except for you're missing X document because it was, it was a dealing with an estate. Oh, so now I've got to get a hold of the guy who sold it to me. So I call the guy up, and he says, the earliest that I can get this to you is 7 o'clock on uh, tonight, Friday night. Have you ever dealt with the, the, the government vehicle people, title transfer people? You have to schedule an appointment now, and they only work certain hours, and they're not open on Saturday. Okay, so I'm standing there at Friday wanting to get this car tra title transferred, and there is no way, given the situation, there is no way I can leave town until this is done. And in fact, when he said, the guy said, I can't get it to you until 7 o'clock, I told Carol, this means I won't come until Monday at the earliest, and it mean, may mean that I can't come at all. That's what this meant in this overall situation. Now, you can start fighting secondary causes again. But I said, okay, Lord, I can't get it till 7. You know the deal. You are in control. I drove home from Knoxville. I walk in the door, and my phone rings. It's 2.30. I look at it, and the guy has sent me the documents. Now, you've got to schedule an appointment. I get on this phone to schedule an appointment, and they have an appointment at 3.15. And by 3.30 or 3.20, I had the title and I had all the plates and everything in my hands. You fight secondary causes, you're fighting against the Lord. But if you just go in your helplessness and trust to God, he takes you by the hand and moves you through the circumstances and sets the picture. Now I look at the picture and think, that's a great picture. All week long, I've been scratching my head thinking, why is this? What is this? How does this fit? And the reality is, God knew what I was doing all the time. And he knew I wasn't smart enough to just get there on my own. So he had to lead me through a whole bunch of situations to get me where I needed to go. So that he could teach me along the way. That he could teach me that what he will never leave me or forsake me means. That my helplessness calls to his heart. And that the answer sometimes is found in not demanding your own rights or in fighting secondary causes. My friend, it's a God in everyday 
life. Don't box him out and just when you have these traumatic things. The mundane pieces of life, he's God in those.